0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Tooele Happy Hour podcast starring Jared Anderson and David Weiss, where if head trauma had a podcast, this is what it would sound like. So today's guests are uh, actually performing actions that we talk about on this show time and time again. We talk about how we need to come together as a community and build ourselves our own education systems, creating little pods of people, teaching our children and preventing them, sheltering them from socialism and other crazy ideas that our public education system seems to force down the throats of our citizens.
1: Or maybe you want more socialism in your child's life. You never know.
0: So here they are. So these ladies here are going to introduce themselves and tell you about their school that they started and why they did it. Ladies, can you kick it off? Oh, I also
1: want to hear about what it took to start a school because that sounds like an endeavor. That oh, sounds, we'll get there. That we'll sounds there. Herculean. Uh, I'm Katie Raffla. I'm
2: Katie Bird, and I'm Jody Hansen.
3: But we always joke
1: that we're like the Oreo sisters because we're two Katie's squished between a Jody. I like it. I like it. Two Katie's and a Jody. All right. So tell us about, heck, tell us about first start off. Just tell us about the school, kind of what the curriculum will be and just kind of an outline of the school
3: a pretty traditional school, we really kind of have that one room schoolhouse kind of feel, you know, we have all kinds of different grades in the same room together for a lot of the classes, we've got preschool all the way up through high school, and um, we're learning all of the core stuff together so in a lot of homeschool co-ops you'll see just electives, but we dive in and we do the hard things we do the math and we do the English and there's a really high level of mastery in our classes.
1: And we're three days a week. Mm. And, uh, so you're three days a week. So um, as far as it goes, are you guys kind of a schoolhouse that's set up for parents who've elected to move their kids to a home school, but then you offer this, this uh, alternative to sending them to school to achieve the academic aims, right?
3: Yeah, our, our vision is definitely for parents to be involved as much as they want to be involved. You know, there's a lot of parents who just want to drop off their kids and pay the monthly tuition, and they're happy with that. You know, maybe they have two parents who are both working and they want something better from their, for their child but they don't know where to go to get it, this is a perfect solution for them. This is a perfect solution for people who are just coming out of the system and they're really overwhelmed with all the curriculum choices, we have a curriculum specialist and she picks all of our stuff and parents have full access to her to help them make curriculum decisions between our classroom and their home and the homeschool that they're doing at home. So uh, this is also really good for parents who uh, maybe have health challenges and so they don't feel like they can put in the hours that are necessary to uh educate their kids completely and so we kind of offered in some of those hours by being three days a week and then they have to put in much less at home and the kids really like that there's a good balance between work life and home life and and coming home at a reasonable time so you can teach your your children how to do chores and other responsibilities around the house but still get their education in at a really high level of mastery.
1: That's awesome. Well, and also it'd be good for someone such as me, who's not smart enough to teach a kid to, say, do anything beyond the first grade mathematics. And so you guys could step in and do that, and
0: I could teach them how to make bad jokes. So this happens only three days a week for the kids.
2: Right. So for um, for homeschooling, so if you're doing homeschooling, you need about 900 hours a year for your homeschooling. And so we do 495 of those hours at the school. And then the parents have the other um, 505 hours to do. Um, and then we're also planning field trips and things like that that can be included with that.
1: So you knock out about 47% of their schoolhouse in there and, and you guys would take care of the, probably the particularly academic stuff. And then when the kids are at home, they can dive into the more elective stuff. Say, if a kid's really interested in in whatever space or dinosaurs or pick anything that any ten year old boy just wants to fall into, they can do that. They're up to and including if that kid is interested in some weird stuff like maybe video game. Uh, development or something because there are classes you can take online for that right. but, you know and that's something the kid wouldn't get in a regular school also my favorite part of this is the thing the kid won't get that, he, that most kids tend to get in the regular school is the violence I mean unless of course they got a bad parent but you know and I enjoy that part as well because let's face it most kids first experienced with extreme violence in the united states of america today is in their schools
3: yeah actually we we met a gal who had never been to public school and when she met my daughter who had just come out of public school she goes what is it like my mom said it's like the streets of new york <laughs> my
1: daughter Lily like, oh yeah
3: yeah Lily was like it is like the streets of New York you probably don't want to go it's better than you've never been
1: <laughs> oh if only Lily would have been prepared for that she could have had some good stories made up <laughs> yeah but it it is how do i put this i think our public school system is well meaning But I think it's been corrupted through the Department of Education, through the goals of the state, making it a place to house kids instead of educate kids. And that's why uh, I've had family members who, when uh, the coronavirus kicked, went into homeschooling and have friends who took their kids into homeschooling. And um, just because of. Because it seemed like the schools at that time had forgotten about the educating part and just worried about the housing and do we continue to get our checks part. And I think that's, oh, go on.
2: I think that's been going on for a long time. I think yes. that's been probably since the mid-80s, early 80s, mid-80s, that, that this has really been going on. We've just been really slow to see it happening Um I, I just recently moved here from California two years ago, so um, I have six children, and I had um, my children in all sorts of things. So we homeschooled. Uh, I had children in private school. We moved to um, Berlin, Germany, and there it's illegal to homeschool, so we had to have them in a, a private school in Berlin. We've had them in co-op schools Um And, uh, I had two of them in public school and just the interesting things as we were going through each of those processes and seeing what each of those things are, it's the reason why that's my main reason for why I'm a part of this and why we're doing this. There really is, there really is no place. Well, particularly I have children with some special needs and there really is no place in the schools for special needs. What they do is they have a lot of special needs advisors who've all been taught certain ways and there's protocols, but they're not really teaching the kids. So you end up with a whole bunch of kids who are just being moved year after year after year. And they may have one little tiny bit of a learning disability and they may have missed something or they might have been sick one time for like three weeks during like their third grade year and they never learned how to do fractions and you just keep moving them and moving them and they never come back to where they were. And so you have a lot of kids who all of a sudden, they're now in fifth grade, they're now in seventh grade and they're so far behind and they don't know what to do and the teachers are just like, oh, this tra- child's a, tra- a troubled child. When really what's going on is they're lost. They don't know what they're doing and the schools can't go back and their protocols are, they can't go back and fix that, find where it is. And so um, that's my main thing. I saw it with my children and I said, I'm never gonna do that. I'm gonna find the child where they are I'm going to meet them and we're going to help them to progress as far as they can. And uh, that's kind of, we kind of met in that place. We met where this is what, this is what these kids need. This is what the kids, you can't find that in a 5,000 student school. No. And most of the high schools here now are five, four to 5,000 students. How, how can you find anybody who cares about a child? There's certain teachers who are really great, but how can they do, how can they care about the child in this
0: circumstance. Mm. Ladies, can you can you take us back to the moment where this idea clicked and you crossed that threshold of thought process to action. Where were you? What was the environment that you were in and and what pushed you to that edge? It's
4: a windy day at a pole. <laughs> um oh, we had just been we've just been told some bad news and we had to make a decision if we were going to stay in the place we were at, the current school we were at, or we had to decide if we were just gonna start over. Um, And it had been a hard, last year was a hard year. Um, Jody and I were teachers, Katie was an administrator at the school, and it was rough. (laughs) We had to fight for everything that we wanted to do at that school, and it it was really hard. But the environment at the school was so amazing, and so we wanted to take the curriculum that we had and the environment that we felt there and kind of merged the two together. And when we realized we couldn't do that at that school, we decided we we have to do this. We can't let these kids... Um, we can't fail these kids. Yeah, we can't fail these kids. You know, we, we put so much work into it and we we saw in just two or three months, their love for learning just skyrocket. And so it was, it was mostly because of the kids and how much they enjoyed what we were doing. We knew that, we couldn't just walk away from that and just homeschool our own kids at that point so we knew we had to get together and and do what we could to help them and so um yeah we met at a park we brought all of our curricula to the park and our big <laughs> bags and we scattered it on the picnic tables and and we just started right there okay what are we going to teach how are we going to do it um where are we going to do it um and it was it was a long hard summer and but, but we just saw miracle after miracle after miracle get us to where we are now. And we literally could not have done it on our own. I know that. Um,
2: so that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> and the interesting thing is we've been talking and as we've been talking to people outside of the area, like um, Katie went to um, Idaho and met with a friend up there. And I have a sister-in-law, um, whose um, sister lives in uh, New Mexico, we're finding out that all these little micro schools are starting exactly like ours, all over the place. People are feeling the call that they have to do something. And most of these schools have between 20 to 28 students and they're starting to grow more, but that's about what we're finding. And they all feel the exact same thing. We have to pull our kids out. The kids are in places where they're not learning and the things that they are, they're not being taught things and the things they, taught things that we want them to learn. And then the things that they are being taught are things that we don't want to have taught to them. And then um, also, we all have felt like God has been taken out of the schools for so long. These kids are hungry and thirsty for that. And in talking with these other people who are starting these, I mean, I think I've probably talked to about five different people who've now started micro schools that I had no idea they were doing it. They had no idea I was. We all have felt that very strong feeling. And I was even just recently at um, a Catholic high school here in the Valley. And the principal said, I can't tell you how he goes. We could have if we had we could have a school four times the size of this and we'd still have people waiting to come in Mm -hmm. because the parents and the students are hungry to actually be taught academics and to actually be taught about God. And I think that's one of the things that I'm seeing. So if there's other people out there who are like, how do we do this? you just gotta jump in and do it and the way will be made forward for you because the most important thing we have is our children moving back from california to utah the interesting thing is we thought we were moving back to a conservative state um and when i got here i said oh my where we lived in california was even less it was even more conservative than what i'm finding now that i've moved back here and i kind of got my foot a little bit into politics and then i went I don't even want to have anything to do with this and people kept saying oh it's all you people moving in from California it's all you people moving here and I said no it's your educational system that has taught your children and taught all of you for the past thirty years and this is now why this state is no longer a conservative state and uh, that's we we just we don't want to have that I think making sure that our kids understand where their rights come from. Who they have to look for, who they have to look forward um, to, the to providence, to God, and uh, why we have to watch out for each other—that we are not just alone on this planet; that we are to be our brothers' keepers. I think those are big things that these kids are learning, and I feel it in our school, and I'm hearing from other parents who are starting this the same thing that they're feeling in their schools. That's
1: that's outstanding. That is.
0: I can just see it now, like we're all coming to the park, spreading out curriculums, (laughs) drinking coffees, and asking, where
1: do we go from here? Me and Dave would be like, okay, this would be pistol day, and this would be rifle day. But anyways, (laughs) well, I'm not a religious person, but I definitely understand if if you are a religious household, it would be important to include that into your curriculum. But let's lay out, I want to real quick just lay out for my uh, particular... Uh, outside looking in of morons um, of morons probably look at our school system right now. One, you can say they're not but the proof is in the pudding our school systems are failing boys. They're failing boys. Boys, uh, Boys have been overtaken in every academic aspect. Part of that is our modern day economy has moved more towards the brains less from the muscles. But also our schools are set up. Our schools keep changing and moving further away. Uh, classes when I went through high school were 50 minutes, 55 minutes long. And then you moved on to another class. That gave that break. Now I'm noticing the classes in high school are two hours long. You're forcing right. a, a, a critter that's designed to run and hunt and eat raw meat and he's just barely getting testosterone running through his veins. It isn't making any of those desires any gentler. You're forcing him to sit even longer. And it's almost like, are they trying to screw up young men and make it so they don't wanna achieve academic excellence? And and then you hear all the conspiracy theories, the colors of the lights and whatever. It could be, I don't know. But all I do know is that young boys are meant to be active and they're making them less active. They're removing almost all the recesses out of school. You can't find a shop class to save your life in any of them anymore. All that stuff is out. And so, one, they're failing boys. Two, we've got to get past the design that kids learn by age group. Because you might have a fifth grader who can go to the math class with the seventh graders, but has to go to the English class with the third graders. That happens.
3: Yep. We, have that. we have that in every, almost every student and almost every class. It's pretty incredible that when you really dig in, what we're, what we're finding, uh, boy-wise, is that their self-discipline is incredibly lacking. I mm-hmm. just cannot believe it. Um, but in our school, they get to clean the school. They get to set up the tables. They get to clean, set up the chairs every single week and put all the tables and chairs away. And we're seeing those boys step up. They are filling mop buckets for the ladies and they are using their muscles and they're taking the trash out and they take pride mm-hmm. in their work. We have to work very, very hard to keep our school running. And they take responsibility for keeping the school running as well. And it's been a treasure. It's just been an absolute treasure. They always leave the place better than they find it. And That's we're seeing, good. Like, Just like a a general lack of self-discipline in the children and when we go in and we start drilling in and figuring out what level they're at, it's very common to have to go back to first grade in some things and fourth grade in other things and eighth grade in those things and you just go to what level you need to. We pull out the information that we need to from whatever level. There's no stigma anymore at at our school about what grade you're in. Like if I'm interested in learning about a subject, I get to Google and I Google it and it doesn't say, really, that's a fourth grade word. You can't spell that, you know what I mean? You just get on and you find the information you want to find. And so we treat our school the same way. It's been very healing academically for the kids who have come in to finally be able to catch up on that stuff that you missed when you were sick in third grade or to catch up on stuff that you've always wanted to know. and. And maybe you didn't have the time to to take a deep dive in and we cover all of
1: that. Yeah, when you guys when you guys hand them that little piece that they've been missing through all their school time that has stumped them every time over and over year after year, and you finally fill that gap. And next thing you know, they they're remembering, oh my gosh, I remember last year, this killed me, and now here I am. And like I've always said you may think algebra is not important. Become a sniper in the army.
4: <laughs> algebra
1: so algebra becomes, it, you do it five times a day, all day long. That's, that is yes. is 80% of your job then.
3: Our math program is so much fun. The kids really, really love it. I don't know if you want to talk about it.
2: Yeah, and um, well, when we started with it last year, we even had some students who were just super struggling just – with them um, addition and subtraction, but basically with the borrowing and the, um, the borrowing and they just, they couldn't do it. And oh, so number, place value and, and place value and things like that. But one child in particular, the mom was like, we've been doing this for four years. They just cannot get this. Just if you need to skip that and go on to mul- multiplication, that's fine. I said, no, you can't go into multiplication because they're going to be doing it there too. So I said, just trust me, let's just do this. Um, after a week of working through it and just going through it and with manipulatives, anything we needed, the child understood it. This child started crying in the class. They said, when my mom hears this, I don't know what's gonna happen. My mom's gonna be so happy. And mm. when their mom came that day and they were able to show their mom they could do this, the mom started crying and the child was crying and they were saying, mom, you don't have to cry anymore that I'm not gonna be able to do math anymore because I can do it now. And we went from having a school with kids who hated math Mm -hmm. to now math is the favorite subject at our school and they always want to do math. We just had a parent night
3: about a week ago and we're like, what are you seeing in the home? Is it are is what we're teaching in the classroom transferring over to what you're seeing at home? And I think we just talked for like two hours in the circle with the parents and they just had the most amazing success stories. Like just talking about how, Like one of their daughters was completely done with her math workbook, but she was just so hungry for math. And she just started tearing through the bookcase and just finding more math books. And she was staying up late. And and they're like, we have to actually put down a curfew and say, you have to stop studying at this particular time. (laughs) And I would say probably 80% of our parents have said their kids come home and they want to study. And they go straight up to their room and they just study. And um, that was true. My daughter yesterday, she was in her 50 states workbook for like four hours after school and she had the whole thing memorized. And like she had to do a presentation and she lost her paper right before school. And then she goes, but you know what, mom? I found it. I found it right here in my brain. I can do it from my memory. I studied really hard yesterday and she just did it. And she was incredible. Mm
1: That is, that is awesome. So when every other parent is telling them you got to shut off YouTube, you know, make eye contact with dad while we eat dinner, all that stuff, you're telling them you got to quit learning for a minute and come eat with the family. <laughs> that's right. a lot. To That's a lot. That is huge. That probably hasn't been seen broadly in the United States. Well, since probably the early 80s. That's when... The department of education really got a hold in it's uh in our education but you know, I
0: don't yeah, know.
3: Just, the conversations have really changed at home like my kid was sitting down with some of those magnetic blocks and like she built the White House from Washington, D.C. I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, this is the West Wing and this is the East Wing and here's the little carriage that takes the president. <laughs>
1: hey, be careful. You don't want to do that too much. I heard the FBI comes after Lego sets on that. But just throwing it out there. But anyways, um, and, you know, I I don't know. I, I imagine this new White House has to have like those airport flat ground escalators everywhere right now. It's the
0: moving walk. Yeah. What is that what they're called? In some places, yes. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. When it comes to the curriculum, how much of that time is actually spent in front of a computer doing computer learning versus out of books and workbooks?
4: Zero. Yeah, zero. zero. Well, I mean, we have we have a couple apps for them to work on like memorizing bones and the states and capitals. But that's stuff they do at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but zero.
2: Yeah, it's all book. Yeah. yeah, and and although we have all these variety of grades, we've just picked four subjects that we're teaching this year. So we're teaching um, in science. We're te- we're teaching anatomy. Mm-hmm. In um, social studies, we're teaching fifty states. Now that sounds kind of funny because that's what you learn. Much younger I think that's what you learn in fourth or fifth grade, but we realized the kids didn't really have a good understanding of the United States of America. Um, We were teaching civics before and I thought you know they really need to understand how amazing our country is so we are teaching them all about the 50 states and how each. State is unique and how the people in that state are amazing and the resources in that state are amazing and um, trying to give them a love so if they have to go anywhere in the country they can find something awesome about that state to go to and and really love and uh, We are working really hard to try to make sure that we reach each child where they are. If a child is an auditory learner, then we have a day that we do more lectures. If a child is a hands on, we have an explore day where we're doing a lot of exploring and doing things with their hands. And then we also have um, the kids grouped into groups of um, six students. And then we have them do presentations about um, three of the states and they have to tell us. Things about that state, and they were so excited to do it today. It just kind of has given an energy to our school. And then we do language arts and reading and math, yeah. and we have a language class, class.
1: So you have language arts. Um, you have language arts and reading. Is that a combined class? You have no. math. No.
3: We have A weeks and B weeks. Oh, which okay. Is the- Push more into the three days so what week a will do language arts and 50 states
2: uh-huh.
3: week b will do reading class and science and so we get to fit in even more subjects that way
1: okay so you have language arts reading um science you're learning anatomy um and then in kind of a civics or, or social studies class right now you're learning 50 states, and then you said you have a math class.
2: Right, and then we have the math class, right. Okay. And the anatomy was really important to us because we feel like the um, the kids are being told right now that gender doesn't matter, that their bodies, there's something wrong with their bodies, and they need to do something. And we wanted the kids to see, like, how magnificent the body is, how the bones are, how the muscles, how everything that was created in our bodies is pretty amazing, and that... They really, instead of just saying, I need to destroy something that they ought to be looking at, how does this work and how do I help it so it can continue to work well for me for my whole life? So that's why we decided to go with anatomy this year.
1: That's good. So, so kind of every year you kind of switch off which class. So right. let's say next year you'll have a social studies and you might do something else, you know, revert right. back to, to to civics or whatever. And that probably benefits kids who spend multiple years in your school where instead of when they're in 4th grade they learn uh they learn about I don't know American history or something like that it's every other year that group has a different subject am i am i getting that correctly okay okay i like it
3: but but I part- really well um i mean we can teach really well to the to the grades so like our high schoolers they're reading Um, like original source documents, like we're reading the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, we're getting in, we we just read Patrick Henry's Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech. uh, Mm -hmm. And then the little ones, they're getting like sensory bins and they're playing in shaving cream today and they're getting all the (laughs) stuff that they need for their level. But it's interesting when it comes down to something like a presentation, we matched up a 15-year-old with a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And they had to figure out how to work together and how the 15 year old could include the five year old. And they were doing um... Treasures of Kentucky. Yeah, oh, yeah. They did Treasures of Kentucky was one of our one of our really old and really young matchup matchups. And they made a little Lego set of Fort Knox, and they gave a speech about it. And so the little kid made the building with the Legos, and then the bigger kid did the research and gave the presentation. And um, our other one, who was really old and really young, they did some food and so they drew pictures of pancakes and drew pictures of all their favorite foods from that state and then the older one did the research and talked about the foods from that state. So it worked out really well and everybody was included.
1: Well, that's also a good thing. You you teach them that, you teach the little kid how to um, lean into a little bit of authority that's not a parent, that's not an adult that's been charged with their management. But more importantly, you teach the older person how to um, take authority and how to kind of aid a younger person. And those are both important learning pathways. You read about how school was 100 years ago, and everyone went to the same schoolhouse, and the older kids were kind of teachers at the same time. And I think those—oh, go on.
2: I was just going to say, we've studied, I've studied a couple of different um, metho- uh, methods that came out of Germany in the 1830s and 1840s, and there's a bunch of those, and Carl um, Major, who started BYU, he, this is where his whole thing came from, was you actually have to have the kids be the teachers, and so that's what we're working towards, that mm. we're constantly having the kids learn how to give presentations. Right now, they're starting off with 30-second presentations. Some of the older ones are doing three to five minutes. But what we want is eventually for them to be teaching the lessons. So we will teach the older kids, and then we expect them to teach the younger kids the lessons because then the older kids are really going to understand that lesson so much better. And then they also know how to talk to the younger kids for them to understand it. Yeah, in
3: our religion class, we um, teach them how to write a talk every single week. And so we go through the rough draft phase and get into the final draft phase throughout those three days. And then every morning we have a morning devotional and we just say, okay, who wants to share their religious talk that they worked on? And they stand up and they get to practice that sermon. Well, this weekend we had like three or four, I think we had four kids who were asked to speak in their church on Sunday and they were like, no sweat. Because
1: Thursday, hmm. like their talks were done, and it was no big deal to them. They just got up and did it. Can I ask? Is this uh, is this kind of a are, is this an LDS kind of based uh, religion? So are you three ladies LDS members? We are.
2: We're basically our the the point, One of the main things of our school is to bring children and families to Christ. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what faith. We just want to. We really want to bring God back into um, education and into the homes and into the kids' hearts. And we feel that there's not. This is the way to help our country move forward. Is that you have to have faith in God, in God again. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be one certain religion. Um, and again, I, I've been talking with other faiths and, and trying to figure out how can we incorporate more and how can we be, um, I hate the word, more inclusive, but how can we work together and have a better dialogue so that we we all have to stand together. Mm-hmm. Everybody, all of us have to stand together. And we want our kids to understand that we all stand together or we fall. You know, and we're we're actually talking about
4: the Bible. That's what our religion class is on the Bible right now. and. Um, I had a boy this morning and a lot of times I say, so how can you bring this back to Christ? What does this have to do with Jesus? And so then they have to really think about it because it's it's kind of hard. We go through our, our lives every day and we forget to think about Jesus. <laughs> um, and so, so anyways, he had a really hard time. And finally, I said, who is someone in your life that you feel like could apply to this? And so he said, well, my grandpa, my grandpa served in. Uh, World War Two, and then he died of cancer and I said so your grandpa fought a hard life but it was a good life and he fought till the end and he had faith and he endured to the end he said yeah he did so he said that's all you need to talk about so it doesn't have to be about you know the LDS church or this church or that church it does have to be about that but but who is someone in your life that was a good example to you um, and so he was able to write that little I mean it's 10 seconds he's six or seven years old. He's very young. And so, but just acknowledging other people in your life that are helping you. um, And I, I I might be changing subjects a little bit, but I just had this thought that um, another reason why this is really important to me specifically is um, to our, our school is um, I had my son, he was in public school. He was doing a French immersion school. I really struggled with pulling him out of that because I thought, man, if you can learn another language, like that's amazing, that's invaluable. I I don't want to take that away from him, but he came home one day from school and we were talking and it essentially came down to, he was told to respect the president of the United States, but he did not have to respect me as, as a parent, as a mom. And I said, if this is what you are learning at school, we're done. Yeah. my big thing is these schools are pulling families apart. I can't tell you how many arguments I've gotten in with my kids because my their teacher said this, but I'm saying this. And so I don't I I want to close that gap. I don't want it to be the teacher versus the, the parent. You know, we're supposed to be working together, but that never happens. The the teachers weren't supporting me the way that I felt like they should, and I probably wasn't supporting them the way that they thought that I should. And so a lot of this is as moms, as parents, you know, dads, we want to we want the best for these kids, and we want to support them and work together. And I feel like um, we have a really good relationship with that right now. Um, at our parent meeting, one of the moms told me, she said her son would not. He was getting to the point where he didn't want to do homeschool with her anymore, and so she she got him in this school, and they stayed up for till one night, and he said, "Mom." Thank you so much for doing my homework with me." So now that she has us to, to set the, the guidelines, like here's your homework, here's the standard, now she's coming in to help with that. He doesn't see her as the enemy anymore, he sees her as someone that's helping her. Now, I, I wish that every story were like that. <laughs> it's not always that way, but the fact that he was able to see her as, um, what's the word, as, as, as someone to help him instead of someone that's in his way, he used her as a stepping stool instead of a stumbling block, right? Um, and that's what I tell my kids all the time: like, don't. We're not stumbling blocks. We're stepping stools. Okay, we're stepping stones. We're we're here to help you get to the next level. Um, but that's that is where my passion in this school comes from. Is I want to unify my family um, as as much as I can and unify them in school and our everyday living. And I feel like I feel like I'm seeing that a lot more in our school. And and it's just. You know, it's hard. We have some really, really hard days, and those are the things that gets me through that day. Knowing that I've seen a lot of good fruits come out of what we've done so far, and that just helps. Okay, one more foot in front of the other. I can do this. I can do another day of this. Um, so yeah, I just that's that's a big reason why I'm doing this, and why I feel like they're doing it too. Um, so yeah.
0: Let Let me ask you about the process where the parent plays a role in providing the 500 hours. Now, not every parent probably has the ability to teach uh, like a professional teacher. And how do you overcome that stumbling block when when the parent might not be the best, the best for, for their kid to learn from? That is
2: such a good question. Yeah. Well, so actually I don't, uh, None of the three of us are teachers. We're just moms. and um, when I lived in California, I was um, I took my kids to a preschool. Um, Uh, high school. And while I was at the high school, the little preschool, I was like, Oh, I I can't put my kids here. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't put them into the California school districts. So, um, I decided I was going to start homeschooling, but I'm like, I don't know how to teach. I don't know what to do. And I started going to, um, homeschool, um, conferences and I was like, this is going to be crazy. But the homeschool conferences were amazing. I traveled up and down the state of California going to religious ones, secular ones. Um, unschooling ones, all different types. And there I was able to meet all these people who write the most amazing curriculum. When homeschooling started, when it was really becoming a thing in like the late 70s, 80s, 90s, parents were having to find and do everything. But now the curriculum is written so well, All there's curriculum that basically you pick up the curriculum and everything is written out for you to say. You don't have to look up anything. You don't have to do anything. If you want to, you can, but but it's there for you. Um. Our, one of the, the curriculums that we use that we just love more than anything um, is called Christian Light Publications. And even if you don't want to use religious um, religious uh, uh, curriculum in your school, this is the very best. It's um, Mennonite, and they set up schools all over the world. And they are not using Common Core. They are um, they are just using common sense, and uh, their curriculum is amazing. Um, For instance, uh, my kids, when I found this curriculum, I took them all back down to the very first level of it, even though they were like in fifth and sixth grade because I felt like they had really just been struggling. Took them all back down. Um, Most of them only got back up through third grade, fifth grade levels. Um, One son, he only finished level five in the CLE math, and he was admitted into um, algebra, and he actually skipped a grade. They just had him go right from... Um, seventh grade to ninth grade, because they said everything you're doing is so much more advanced than any of the other students. We, we, the classes we would put you at are already high school classes. So we need you to go ahead and have him move up a grade. Um, That's just what this curriculum does. And I, I don't know, I just kind of stumbled into it by going and listening to all these things. So the curriculum that's out there right now is pretty amazing. Um, I would suggest there's some good curriculum in Utah, but I would suggest looking outside of Utah too. Don't just Particularly, people are looking. You just don't have to stay in Utah. There's amazing curriculum all over.
1: Well, oh, I know yeah. Ron. Ron Paul offers a homeschool curriculum where
2: amazing one. Yeah, no,
1: I've done it. <laughs> yeah, where where your history teacher is the great Dr. Tom Woods, and your economic teacher is uh, uh, Robert. Uh, I'll remember his last name when it doesn't matter. But I mean how amazing would that be? But I wanted to ask you, you mentioned something earlier. um, You mentioned that your, your child was in dual immersion in learning French and French is also a dual immersion out here in Tooele. And uh, I've got a niece and nephew that's in it and it's pretty amazing to watch how they've learned. Um, That leads me to ask, have you guys had the opportunity to look around for partnerships in uh private people who who can teach a second language and can fill a gap there and also one thing that i personally feel and correct me if i'm wrong the smartest people in my life that i know have all studied music and i think it's because music when you study it when you get in depth in studying it it wires your brain difference to it wires you to notice um kind of mechanics and beauty at the same time. And I think that's a wonderful wiring of the brain. And it teaches those people to think outside of the box and to think in really interesting ways. And, and that goes along. Have you, have you been able to look or find partners that you can say, partner with us and, you know, we'll advertise for you, give our students a deal, something like that.
3: I definitely see that happening in the future for us, our biggest goal has been just getting them back on grade level with Mm. their academics, you know, Mm. and mastery of those academics and just really striving for excellence in every way. And so for us being three days a week, we're limited as to how many subjects we can offer. However, parents are not limited because they still have to make up those 500 hours that are legally required of them. And so we've got kids in the school that have amazing musical abilities. And, you know, her son is kept up on French. And, you know, so you have those options, but we also see parents who are in situations where they do not feel like they can teach all of those hours. And um, we are a, home, a homework-based school in order to help supplement with those hours, like to help you make up some of those hours. But we've picked curriculum that is specifically designed to marry seamlessly from our classroom to your home with little prep where the kids can self govern, where they can just read through stuff. And it's more like family bonding time when you're all sitting down and you're reading a book together and you're just exploring all the literature that we offer to the the families. And they've really liked the, just the increase in family time and the increase in mm-hmm. unity that they've been seeing, but also you have that freedom if you wanna have two sets of curriculum in the classroom and outside the classroom, you have the freedom to do that. And if you don't wanna pick out two expensive curriculums, you just pick one and they marry perfectly from the classroom to the home. And so you really do have a lot of flexibility on your Mondays and your Fridays, when you're out of school, on the weekends, whatever you wanna study, you can study it.
1: That's yeah yeah. I think what I meant by that is not that you have someone come in and teach, but you become an advertisement portal for that person, and for that they'll give a discount rate to the student to to you know expand their minds in that way. Um, I know there's a lady down the street from from me here, well, a couple streets over, who teaches Cantonese. Is that correct? Chinese, yeah, who teaches Cantonese? I think is particularly the, and and I don't know. That'd be cool if you could, you know, if she would say, "Hey, I offer my services for students of this class for, you know, a discount." That's just a, a long thought. I I do think that, you know, the route you guys are going, I think we need to go that way. Our school system has failed. I mean, India just landed on the moon. We start the Department of Education and we shut off the space shuttle. We're not doing very well.
2: And those things are right. And again, that's the whole, we either have to stand together or we're all gonna fall Mm -hmm. separately. We we have to. And what you're talking about is correct. We do need to be making these partnerships. And the more that we can continue to make these partnerships, the better we're going to see um, our children educated. when we were in California, my uh, my daughter and her friend, they were in a, a science class. So a, um, this woman, she was a scientist, um, had worked at NASA in Livermore, and she decided she was going to just teach, hey, I'm going to charge $400 for a semester, and if you bring your kids all the way up to Menlo Park, it's a big drive, but if you do this, I will teach them amazing um, science about space. So a bunch of us did it, and actually what ended up happening was there were I think two boys in the class and about 40 girls, because you're right. We are not having our boys get involved in a lot of things. But these kids actually came up with her, with this teacher working with them. They came up with these... Um, glasses to put on the rover and that would protect the rover so that it could when it was going over the rocks and things like that that it would protect the lenses and nasa actually used them and the kids got to go and watch this being this being used with um the rover they got to see that that they came up with did this and my kids also did um dissecting when they were like in fifth grade they dissected 36 different creatures from flowers to different animals and um they ended up having an artist who was also teaching the dissecting classes who helped them learn how to draw what they were seeing and it was pretty amazing I think there is a lot of opportunity we we don't have to just be married to you sit in a desk you do this you do this that is not what that's not what schooling is we've been we've been fooled into thinking that what you do is you go for eight hours a day and you know everyone comes home and parents hate it kids hate it and the kids do want to do recess that's that's not what schooling is that's not what education is and I think we have to go outside the box and see that and I think the more partnerships we can have and the more that everyday moms and dads who are like what how can I make a difference how can I make a difference in what's happening in our country and with the kids if they can see like you know what? I'm really good at shop. I'm really good at teaching people how to do these things. Or, you know, I think it's really important. Everybody knows how to fix the sink. If, if the, if the pipes come down or whatever, if they can have these things that we can have our kids going to, that's amazing. That's what we need. That's how we need to work together as a community. You're yeah, right. Partnership with a couple of different
3: co-ops that I really admire. Cause like the, I would say like the fruits of their children that are coming out of these certain co-ops. I'm like, wow, that is what I want for my kids. So we, you know, sometimes we supplement with classes and we send them to different classes and different co-ops and stuff. And uh, one of the co-ops, they're doing like a flight class. And so they invited us to come to their field trip. We got up at 530 in the morning on a Saturday and we went and helped launch a hot air balloon like a mm. month ago. And it was amazing at all the kids working together to just unfold that huge hot air balloon and fill it up and inflate it. And we were watching it launch up into the sky. And it was over. We were in Provo. So we were by Y Mountain and the balloon got just high enough that it was it was catching the sunrise. And we were all down here in the shadows. And I remember like putting my arm around my daughter and looking at this amazing sunrise coming up over the Y and being like, welcome to homeschool, sweetie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is like, you're having a day of school on a Saturday morning. You got up at five 30 and look how worth it. It is. And just holding each other and drinking hot chocolate and being like, wow, this is the life. This is really what we want to do forever.
1: Yeah. And uh, about a year ago, you got to come out and, make chocolate bars with a chocolatier you know yes. i mean th- those are those are the cool experiences and let's face it nowadays i imagine the average parent and this is not to knock them because we you know if if one was conspiracy minded our system has been set up for this to be the only model one could live where two parents most of the time have to work to afford a sustainable uh, household, everything like that. So our education system, our schools have become uh, daycares and kid prisons so that the parents can have a couple hours to go and pursue any kind of economic sustainability. And it's been set up like this. you know what on purpose or not whether there's an evil mustache twirling venomous german guy or something who's setting this up i don't know but it is what it is and this isn't the fault of parent this is kind of what they're stuck with right now
2: this is what they've been taught they don't they don't know any it, was. Well,
1: it's not just taught but in the average household homeschooling is unattainable.
3: Yeah, yeah. We really want to make it a lot more obtainable to families, whether that's offsetting the hours or making it so you're not making Mm -hmm. very expensive curriculum mistakes by buying the wrong thing and buying the wrong thing and buying the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, yeah, I really do think, you know, I think 2020 was a gift in a lot of ways for parents where it broke them out of that mold. It broke them out of the stereotype of just like classroom learning. And they were like, oh, we can sit in the hammock and we can like read a book together. Or I had one girl, the only way that she could get her child to do math was by putting the the addition on a hopscotch in the driveway. And then she would hopscotch and do the, like do the speed drills and stuff by doing hopscotch down. So I think in a lot of ways, parents started waking up and they started relying on each other a little bit more and like, how are you motivating your kid to do school? Because mine just won't get out of bed. And they had to have the discussions and the communities had to come alive again and you had to have more walking groups and you had to communicate differently. And because of that, it was like, I think, I think that's why we're now seeing like all of these little micro schools popping up because people realize like, oh, I was prepared for this. I've had life experiences that gave me the confidence to do this. You know, I could just teach my own kid, you know, what an amazing thought that like mm-hmm. God just made you capable of teaching your own children and giving them everything that they need in this life to be successful adults.
1: Well, not just but that
3: not being able to find a mentor to go do it.
1: Yeah. Well, remember uh, I think it was in Kentucky. Where the parent is in the kitchen doing whatever and the kid's sitting on their Zoom school and the parent hears the teacher say, don't tell your parents about this before they started something. And I just picture the mom coming around the corner. like, What was that? Yeah. And then the kid got in trouble because the parent come up in the background behind the kid like what? And then the kid got in trouble. Like, why is your microphone on? What do you want me to do? I'm sitting here in this stupid class with this stupid teacher who only cares about indoctrinating me and making me pledge allegiance to, you know, the rainbow flag instead of teaching me something particularly beneficial for my life path. You know, and that was a big deal. Of course, it got swept right under the rug and like everything else does all, you know. So for...
0: For for your uh, institution that you're creating, uh, a homeschooling environment, what are the mechanics for those who want to enroll their children into that and and what are your requirements for them to be accepted?
3: Well, we want to have an interview one-on-one with the parent and get to know the family, get to know the needs of the kids, get to know the commitment level of the parents, which we're not looking for any specific commitment level. We do have a monthly tuition, but we can trade tuition if they wanna come be a teacher in our school. And we still have room to grow. We're still accepting students. We're still accepting teachers. We're also looking for a preschool teachers. So we're ready We're ready to rock and roll. Um, and so you can go to our website or email us and let us know that you're interested in enrolling. And we'll sit down and have a one-on-one interview with you. and get to know your needs, we'll, we'll even help you with all the diagnostic testing for your kids, we'll help you order all the books you need, you'll be ready to
2: rock. Yeah. We wanna right. make sure that parents are involved, that, uh, involved with their child, like that that the parents are going, not that they need to come to the school and do anything, we would love it if they did, but but we wanna make sure that they're really on board with their child, that they want to see their child succeed, that they wanna be a part of the process, so many of so many of the kids that we have in our school but also that I've seen and seen just in the re- recent um, few years are kids who again have been passed in school they've you know they've just been just keep going forward so my daughter has profound dyslexia and um, one of the things that I've learned so profound means that she she can't read or write even though she's now 14 and and um, it's part of an auditory processing disorder and a visual processing disorder. And um, in California, in the public schools, in the special needs schools, she was just most days given a box of toys to play with or put on a YouTube channel, or given um, multiplication, double multiplication problems because she was now in fourth grade. She went through their 3 year old program all the way to fourth grade and they still kept doing this without realizing no she needed specialists we needed to do things so we spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars with specialists and now she can read some sight words and um, she knows her alphabet but it's all very hard for her but what I found out in going through all this process was that one out of every four people in the world has some form of dyslexia and our prisons, um, her mentor who's been her number one person who's helped her, she did her whole master's degree on um, Boys Town and the prisons in Chicago and found that over 65% of the people in the prisons in Chicago were um, were dyslexic and um, that what a lot of the problems that we see is that kids do not know how to read or they don't know how to do math and they don't know how to move forward. And so pretty soon the teachers, by the time they're in fourth, fifth, sixth grade are starting to say, this is a troubled child because this child's not doing anything in my class. They're maybe being like the clown or something else like that. By the time they're in seventh grade eighth grade they're now should be doing algebra and they're not doing that because they can't do it or they should be on a higher reading level and they can't do it so now you're starting to see these kids getting into trouble with the law and getting into gangs and things like that if we can find a way to stop saying these things don't exist i was told dyslexia does not exist even when we moved here to utah i tried to put my daughter I didn't know what to do. I'm like, she's going into junior high, she's going into high school soon. And I tried, do you know, not one single school district, nobody wanted to help us. We finally have a, she's going to our school, but I've just been talking with the, um, she's been with another school right now, a charter school that is trying to help, but I'm not seeing a lot of fruits from it yet. But the thing is, is that they have protocols. That's what they keep saying, well, this is our protocol. So if she can only do bed, that's where she's at and bed, And they're telling her, no, you have to read thirsty or you have to read these words. How is that helping the child? It's not, and this is what we're seeing. So all of these kids in the schools are now being failed in so many different ways. And this this is where my passion is, is that we've got to do it. So if I know that we have parents who have kids who are like, wow, my child really is in eighth grade, but I'm finding that they're at third grade or fourth grade level right now, but no one can help. Guess what? We'll, we will help them. But are you going to be on board with sit with us taking them back to where they need to be? And are you going to be embarrassed when you see that they're doing a third grade book? Don't be embarrassed. Just say, yep, yeah, I'm on board. And don't let your child feel like like there's something wrong because they're doing a younger book. Because we're going to get them to where they need to go. And we're going to do it. And they're going to be happy and smiling. That's that's our goal. Yeah, happy and smiling.
3: Well, it's true.
1: Confidence, yeah, yeah, you're 100% right there. I have a friend who who uh, manages um, students who are have a, a learning disability or, or whatever, uh, learning alternately abled. I don't know what the verbiage is I'm supposed to use with that. I need to no, con. I, I need to ask some 12 year old girl on Twitter, she'll tell me, but, anyways. Um, and, yes, they just housed them. They She complains about this, that she gets a kid when they enter high school, and all the grades before that, they've just been housed. They've never tried working with them. Even, even you can give a path of some sort of education to anyone. You know, I mean, Helen Keller, they stood her by a well and yelled at with her, and they figured that out. Um, but she complains about it because – the teachers, they just literally try to get them to sit still by any means necessary. Whether that's YouTube, whether that's uh, different kinds of uh, medication, which I think that should be outlawed in kids, also. And, that's
2: the third and their hand, they tell us they tell us their hands are tied. These are the protocols that we're allowed to use. And I just had this the other day. I said, "What are you doing? She can't do this." you know afterwards my daughter when she she was loving math she started to really soar with math um with the math that we were doing and she's like my favorite subject is math and now just in the past three weeks of going to this new school not our school she comes when she can but I fell into the thing of oh my daughter needs a high school diploma what do I do how do I help her and so now after three weeks I, I'm like wait a minute what are you doing and and she's now I hate math mom it's so awful and then she came to our school today and she was like mom I think I need to just come back to your school only she goes I'm learning at this school and you guys love me here and I was like what am I doing I'm making and I'm, I'm doing this so this is what's really important is that parents we want you to be involved and if you feel like you can start a school like that that that's great but we have to be we have to be our child's voices. We have to be their advocates and you can be their advocate. I'm just a mom with six kids. I don't know the first thing about this, but through the years as I've been trying to help, I'm learning and I'm even when all my kids are grown, my kids are now between the ages of 20 and 14. When I'm When they're all out of the house, I'm still going to be going and trying to find and help these kids because the world isn't helping them and we can't have people who can't be self-sufficient, who can't take care of themselves. They need to know that they are capable of taking care of themselves, that the government does not need to step in. I feel like that's what the schools are doing right now is letting you believe, well, okay, it's okay if you can't do this because we'll come in and take care of you. And then they get to decide all your choices and the kids don't get to make any of the choices.
1: Yeah, and, and then we wonder why we become tax cattle.
2: Yes, yeah. I, it's,
1: I, it's really I Keep talking while you talk. Just know I'm throwing your guys's website up on the screen. Um, oh, thank you. That's liberty's light academy.org. Uh, and I'm throwing it up on the screen. Keep talking, and then I'm going to ask you some questions about the website, and we're going to explore some of it together.
0: Well, what's your uh, current uh, enrollment number? How many children do you have enrolled in your program?
3: We have 21 kids all ages like from two years No, what is he three three. he's three years old all the way up to 17 17 next week
0: Mm. yeah and and do you have a cap
3: on how many students if we have more teachers come in if we have more parents that they don't need to be certified teachers but if we have more willing hands we can grow exponentially, yeah. we've got the square footage, we have the space.
4: But we, w- we wanna keep our our kid to teacher ratio, uh, we don't want it to get too crazy. Um, so, I mean, realistically, we could take on more kids, but we don't wanna do that to the kids because then they're gonna fall through the cracks again, right, and so we don't want that. So we're trying to keep our numbers lower so that we can help each kid the way that they need to be helped. Um, so yeah, more teachers definitely, and just more, more moms that like are like-minded moms that want to help their kids. And
1: anyways, so, and dads, dads could come. Yeah, well, Uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably not just teachers. You probably need more adults or invested adults there. So if you don't find particularly a teacher, if you've got someone who's willing to come in as an aide, I imagine that would help as well.
2: It does. yeah so much yeah we have um three who do it right now and it's a big difference in our classes when we're able to do that because because we're helping so many kids at the level where they need to be then you know that's a lot of kids when you're doing when you're working out of seven different math books yeah. that's a
4: lot of questions yeah. to answer
2: and do things with for one teacher yeah.
4: and I, and our our preschool teacher is the mom of one of the preschool students and she has other children and other classes but she's a full-time working mom and helping at the school. So Mm. she is dedicated her, the kids love her class. She's going above and beyond. I mean, she, and she's enjoying it too, but I mean, yeah, we're all, we're all working multiple things to get, you know, to get this, to help these kids. So you're
2: not ever going to become wealthy doing this. In fact, we're all (laughs) becoming much poorer doing this. Um, yeah, but
0: what about government assistance for financing? Does the government help?
3: Never, never, that is not normal for We actually mentored with quite a few different schools and we saw that they all had the same progression. They all started out as a little homeschool co-op and as they started to grow, they would get a bigger building. And as soon as they went to like building their own brick and mortar school, it was like the burden of keeping the upkeep of it and paying salaries and whatever. It, it makes you have to go charter school mm-hmm. and that's the big difference. Then you have to strip God out of it. Then you have to go to common core. Mm-hmm. Then you have all of the government restrictions protocol. and the protocol, protocol, the protocol, the protocol. Mm. So you just lose the essence of the founding that made you what you are. Yeah. That's
2: where it's stripped away. Yeah. We've seen it time and time again. Mm. anytime you take government money they always have strings attached yeah. you might not realize that and it might take a few years to see it but in california we saw that a lot with the homeschooling with all the money that was available hey we'll we'll help pay for this curriculum we'll do this or we'll do that and then as you started to slowly see you saw where they were sticking their hands in and and doing things that you were like wait a minute i thought we we could do this so like oh no you signed up to do this and we gave you this money you are accountable for this and uh so, no, we're not, we're not yeah. going to take any money from any government assistance of any kind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. And, and you know, I mean, as, as competent and successful as our government is, let's keep them out of the schools. Um, so let's go through this, uh, this website real quick. Uh, again, libertieslightacademy.org. Where are you guys located, like your physical location?
3: We're in Eagle Mountain.
1: Okay, in Eagle Mountain, so um, it would be a trek for a Twilla person to make it out there, but it's not not doable. So, if you are homeschooling in Twilla and you want to go out and check it out and see for yourself,
3: yeah, to, if there's if somewhere that has to be made, whether it's paying for tuition or driving a little bit further or what, or starting to do more school in your home. There is a price that has to be paid if you come out of a government school, you know. Yeah. Um, so we've got a lot of families in Lehigh. We, have, we run a carpool in Lehigh. We have some families in West Jordan and some in Pleasant Grove that we could probably also start carpooling with. Um, but, yeah, we try to make it as convenient as we can for families.
1: Mm. Yes. So uh, in the header, you've got a uh, home. Uh, this is kind of your links. Home. Homeschool resources. So if I click on that, this might this is something that I think is very interesting. Um, so it says your uh, Liberty Light Academy is core-based homeschool co-op in Utah County with drop-off options offered. And that's where, say you do have a job, you can drop your child off there. Uh, there's an email and then... Um, we will, uh, we will head on back. Oh, well, we'll just bump it in from here. And then we've got a schedule curriculum, and this is if you want to look at the schedule. Um, so it looks like you guys are a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. And we're working on, um, you've got your copy work. What is the copy work? What is that? the first uh, 10 minutes of class, copy workout.
4: So it's, it's fluctuate, it changes. Um, but first they just started with um, writing a, a five-sentence paragraph. Um, this past week we worked on um, memorizing and mastering their um, questions for their upcoming 50 states tests that they had. Um, okay. So there's a bunch of questions and they were writing out those um different questions that they're going to have on their test so it kind of just changes depending on what we think they need a little more work on um we can really focus in on that
2: so yeah, yeah. um last year what last year we taught um the declaration of independence to the children and yeah. all of our kids um in our class could could recite it by, by memory. Our um, six to eight year olds could recite it by memory. And what our copy work was every day, we had a piece of the Declaration of Independence that they had to, not just the preamble, but the entire thing, and they all could do it. Yeah. And so we just want them to be able to um, get their penmanship right. We wanna be able to help with, um, also it's just another way to put those words into their minds
3: mm-hmm.
2: as they're going through the day.
3: So it's kind of a brain warm up, and we might use it for like a service project, like writing to your servicemen. That's what we're something. doing right now,
2: yeah. Yeah,
3: so we hmm. might use it as a service project, or just like warming up your brain through brainstorming and writing small paragraphs.
1: No, that's good, and and it's it looks like it's a quick ten minutes just to get kids used to class. I can see, I can definitely see the benefit of that. And then you got your morning devotion, uh, devotional. Yeah, so morning.
3: We pledge allegiance to the flag, and we let kids read whatever they've written during religion class of the previous week. They get to share personal stories and, and how those have affected them and built their character.
4: And they get to lead music for the day. Yeah, they learn they how to lead song music.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm. yeah. Okay. And then, no. and then that leads into the religion class. And uh, and then from the religion class you go to, and it looks like all your classes are right around uh, 50 minutes long, quick, mm-hmm. you know, move through it. Uh, language arts and reading, and then lunch, okay? I that's love the
3: lunch.
1: Well, yeah, that's the class I always got an A in. It was lunch. Um, we
3: love lunch because we take them to the park or we'll do school store. Or if somebody wants to bring a treat for their birthday, we do that. Mm. Like this week, we did school photos. We did that during lunch. So lunch is like a free-for-all. Anything that they earn as a class reward, as a school reward, we do that fun thing during lunch. So, um, But actually, if you ask any of our students what their favorite favorite classes, they will unanimously say math.
1: Mm. Which, right after lunch, they lead into math. And then geography, and then closing devotional. Okay, no, I, I I like it. And then of course they've got an apply for school and apply to to be a teacher or an aide. Um, I want to ask you a question: If someone wants to sign up to be an aide, but they can only commit to one day a month, is there? Are you figuring out a way to maybe work that in in uh, in kind of goofy situations like that
3: oh yeah yeah oh, we've yeah. got a parent who make who builds the sensory box for us mm-hmm. and so she'll put in one item a couple of items that represent every state
1: mm-hmm. and then
3: she'll shred a whole bunch of colored paper so it's really fun and she puts it all in a bin and so we learn a state a week mm-hmm. three, or states, three a week. states a week so a state a day when we're okay. doing our a week And um, they can come in and play with those. And sometimes we might 3D print the Statue of Liberty and stick it in the sensory box or whatever. And then they have to figure out what item relates to what state. So we've got a lot of things like that, like science. When we have science weeks, we have moms who will build the science kits for us and get all of our science experiment stuff organized or printing and laminating paper for us, stuff like that. So
2: we would having anyone even come for just like, I have one hour a week I can do this, or I have three hours a month I can donate. We will take take it because it's great for the kids to be exposed to other adults, to be able to see that other adults really care Mm -hmm. about them learning, but also everybody brings something to the table. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a story. Everybody has something that is worthwhile to contribute. And we want our kids to see that when they grow up, they can also have something worthwhile to contribute
1: you know they always it's always been said that homeschooled kids don't know how to socialize very well but everyone that i know uh in the adult world that's dealt with kids who've been homeschooled say those kids uh deal with authority better because they make eye contact they're more honest forthright and they're not cowering as much they're because they've dealt with authority on a different level.
0: But you can't call this homeschooling though, Jared, because these are kids from all over. They come together into a group and they're a diverse age category. There's there's a lot of uh, interaction going here that that I think supplements what we would have experienced in school.
1: Maybe we can call this unschool, the big unschooling project. That's something I've followed for quite a while. If anyone can't tell, I have heartburn with our Department of Education, but um, and I also wanted to I know we're coming up close where we've had you ladies on for a long time. And I'm sure you want to get back to your houses. But, you know, a few more questions is something that interests me a lot. Um, But so if someone wants to sign up and they can dedicate a few hours or they're interested in something, they can just jump on there. I wanted to ask a few questions about learning of the states because I, geography, I'm kind of a nerd about it. What did you guys, or have you gone through Utah yet?
2: No, Utah will be one of our, probably one of our last states it will- um, Because it's, it's
1: a, a U Midwest. and-
2: Well, okay. yes, no, it's the Midwest, so you do it by area. So oh. we just uh, done New England and um, the yeah. mid-Atlantic states, and now we're heading into the southern states. And so um, yeah you do it by, by the geography. we're learning about the topography, we're learning about the foods we're learning about um, commerce we're learning about um, famous people we're learning about battlefields. treasures the treasures what things what things make up the state um, maybe where the people came from you know with uh, in the Appalachian Mountains we talk about, The hikes and the the trails and all the things you can do and also that where the people settled from so we talked about that a lot of people from scotland came into the appalachian area that in west um west virginia a lot of italians came there and we were just even talking about how that one of the cool things about West Virginia was during World War II, um, one of the areas where they had to go to in Italy to fight were these huge mountains. And so they, a lot of Italians had settled in West Virginia because it reminded them of Italy. And so they then brought all these military people to come and train to rock climb these mountains in West Virginia so that they could go do it in um, in Italy for the in, war. And
1: in a place called Monte Yeah.
2: The kids are super excited about that, and we also have food. So today um, we brought in the food from West um, from West Virginia, which is the pepperoni roll, and that's because a lot of the people again were Italian, and they were working in the mines, and they needed something they could a food they could take down into the mines with them that could stay still taste good, not need to be refrigerated, and not need to be heated up. So we have the kids try the different things. They're always excited about what's going on. And, you know, um, it's interesting. They all want to go visit these states now. They want to see what it's like. And I think that's important because um, one of the things that I felt during COVID was that we were all isolated. We were all just were our own state. And and when um, we had to drive across country um, during COVID to take my daughter to um, university and we went back to Virginia and while we were driving, my kids were like surprised. They're like, mom, look, all these people, they're so nice. They're just like us. And we had been living in California and they were they were just shocked. And I was like, we have done a bad job of teaching our kids. We've taught them about the constitution. We've taught them everything we can about the country, but we didn't actually teach them about how amazing the American people really are. And so that's kind of why this 50 States is so important to us.
1: Mm, I dig that, I really like that because like learning about West Virginia, my sister-in-laws from there, I tease her about it, you know, that she needs a piece of plywood to dance on. But, um, but no, West Virginia, it's an awesome state, a lot of rich history. And yes, they did train uh, the a heavy mountain climb. The bloodiest piece of land earned in World War II was in Italy at a place called Monte Cassino and you know it was hard fighting and that's that's where the hawaiian uh volunteer division uh what was the 442nd i think or whatever earned its stripes that's where they earned their way to prove that they were americans it's it's an amazing story
2: and this is part of the homeschooling this is part of the community where if we know if we like say we're going to be talking about this state and we have someone who's like i could tell you amazing things about that state and we could have them come in as guest speakers How amazing would that be? The kids, Mm -hmm. the stories that they can hear, not just from us, but the stories and things that they can hear and do. I think that's what makes um, co-ops and homeschools such an amazing opportunity for families and children.
1: Not just that, but the accents, you know, the person with the accent, but you might want to leave Florida out of there. Some of those stories get spicy. They do. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Okay, thank you for coming on. Do Do you guys have anything you want to close out with?
3: a good question
0: (laughs) it's not a test
3: we're having a really good time we really believe in what we're doing we really believe in our curriculum we really believe in parents ability to educate their children we really believe in the child's ability to learn and master new things Mm -hmm. and um one of the interesting things that we're seeing right now is that phonics has been taken out of school. And there's a pretty interesting change of events since that's happened, because now that they're learning whole words and sight words, they're missing those tiny little things in between. They're missing an R, or they don't understand that spelling is an IE instead of an EI, and they just get those little tiny things messed up. And we've had to take some people all the way back down to first grade just to relearn those phonic principles. And I would submit to you that it's been a type of learned dyslexia that we've had to straighten out among a lot of the kids. Um, and so you can really trust us with your kids. You can really trust that we'll teach them the right things, that we'll take really good care of them, that we'll take them at the speed that they need to go. We can really promise you, you're gonna see the fruits. The parents that we have in our school are so, 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 so happy we just rolled out a sibling discount for our monthly tuition and we said we'll refund you you know for this month's tuition we'll give you that discount back and i had a parent call me and say i do not want i do not want that refund i want to give it as a gift to the school because we are spending our money well we're extremely happy with um with the fruit that we're getting from our kids we we are loving what we're experiencing
0: Mm.
1: And they don't have to trust you. They can sign up to be a teacher, too.
2: They can. They can. If you notice, our thing says, um, Liberty is like truth seekers. Mm -hmm. Our students are truth seekers. We're telling them to search for the truth everywhere. And we're telling them to look for original sources and to not just trust what someone says, but go and do their own homework. Go and do and find what they're looking for. Not just to, if we say this is the way it is, I often tell the kids, this is, I said, don't just listen to me. I'm like, sometimes I make mistakes. And so sometimes the kids will come up and say, you said this in math and I don't think this is right. And then they'll show me. I'm like, you are right. I was wrong on that. And I teach them all the time. It's okay for me to be wrong and it's okay for you to be wrong. We need to be okay with that. And we need to look and find truth wherever we can. And so that's our big thing is with our school, we want our kids to be out there searching for the truth. And if they can be a light to other people when they're searching for truth, that is all the better. And that's what our motto is, that's where we come from, that liberty, that only through knowledge and only through doing these things can we actually have liberty and can we actually fight for our freedom. And so um, that's what we want. We want our kids to be for their entire lives truth seekers.
1: That's fantastic. Mm. Okay, now for the biggest meat and potatoes question of them all. How much does it cost?
3: We are $300 a month, which comes out to about $5 an hour for our teachers.
1: Okay, so $300 a month. And if you are homeschooling the parent, what is it now, $5,000 a student that the state
3: The state calls it 8,000 or 8,500 per student. And so ours is less than 3,000.
1: Okay. So, So, and then that still leaves you extra to pay for the once a month trip to uh, go to the museum or to go to different events and to do things. I mean, I believe homeschooling, if you're capable, you can really make a A a young human being who's more well-rounded than they will be if you send them to school where they can learn, uh, you know, uh, the different pronouns that they really need to know nowadays.
3: Yeah, and we want to make it obtainable for families. So like we said, we'll trade tuition if a parent wants to come in and be a part of the process through being an aide or doing stuff at home to help the school or being a full-time teacher with us we Will definitely supplement that tuition or or trade for tuition because we really want this to be attainable for different families. Other schools that are about doing what we're doing at at about our caliber. Um, so we come in at three hundred dollars a month. The next one up is five hundred. The next one up is seven hundred a month, and the next one up is like ten thousand a year. So we're we're sitting we're sitting in a bracket where where. We're nicely competitive for what we do mm. and, and the fruit is awesome.
0: Does does the parent, does, does that family still have to pay school taxes to the public school if they send them to your school?
1: Yes. Well, if you own a home, you still have to pay mm. school. Uh, does the non-parent still <laughs> have to pay school taxes? That's yes. the question you ought to ask Dave. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Empty nesters pay taxes, childless families pay taxes. Yeah. It's yeah. Poor Dave, you're paying taxes.
0: <laughs> well, my, well, my question is if you are supplementing payment to you, why do they still have to pay for the public
1: well, the, schools? The, what, what happens is if you sign up for homeschool, the state gives you, uh, I don't know how they do it, but they give you like $8,000.
3: No. You're talking about the Utah Fits All bill. And unfortunately, when you decide to take that government money with the Utah Fits All bill, it is not a tax refund. It is the government putting their clause into you and telling you what you can and can't teach your children. So although they have protective language in this first draft of the Utah Fits All bill that they just barely passed, you are waiving your legal rights as parents to um keep the government out of your home so Mm. that's that's something you have to consider Um, a lot of people do like my tech high and they will give you about twelve hundred dollars per student to help offset the cost of curriculum and things like that but again you waive your protective legal rights as parents to make the choices in your home for your child so if the government chose to come in and search and do a search and seizure without a warrant, they could do that because you waived your rights. Wow.
1: They're not,
2: They're not doing it, but it's in their paperwork that says they can do that. It, they've
1: it's got not- the capability to, okay.
2: have the capability. Have we seen it
3: in the news? Not yet. Well, not
1: yet. There's lots time. of things that show up that's been warned about. Let me tell you about a class I had in high school as we leave here. And I want you ladies to, to chew on this, to ruminate on this overnight. So when I was in high school, we had a class called Animal Science. It was a FFA class, right? And it was taught by a guy named Jerry Hurst. He was a kind of a semi-famous Utah rodeo clown, actually, while he was my teacher. He later became our county commissioner, or one of them. Anyways, in his class, we would um, we would aid the local farmers are, will you let her? we would sorry the guard dog is guarding we would aid the local farmers and ranchers by uh, doing animal work such as processing I don't know if, if you don't know what processing is that is slaughtering and processing the animal. And we did uh, uh, castorations and neutering. And I got to, at the ripe old age of 14, 15, got to do a cesarean section on a cow who was wow. breech birth. This was in high school. Um, I'll bet in two years in high school, I probably processed 80 pigs and probably maybe two dozen cows uh, maybe about the same number of sheep and I want you to imagine that class being held now in high school just imagine that the, we would see an explosion of, of anger from all these parents like what are they doing you know but we did that in class And it was all volunteer, of course, so only boys, about seven of us stepped forward and did that every day. And all the girls would sit in the back of the room on the other side of these cattle guards and squeal and do whatever girls did at 14. I don't play braid hair, I don't know what girls do, but you know, but uh, there was seven of us boys that jumped in and did all that every day. That's what we did. And it was a, a, a learning experience. It was very good i think important to know i mean especially because i hunt so that's you know all that stuff's good to know but just imagine them doing that class today it's
3: going to be very crazy yeah
1: but anyways all right thank you very much ladies um thank you for your not just coming on here but thank you for your endeavors thank you for for seeking to Give an alternative to a failing system.
0: It's a true service.
1: Yeah.
2: Exactly. You know? yeah. Thank you so much. And others can do this. I mean, we would love to have you come to our school, but if, if you're in an area and and you're thinking, well, should I do this? Could I do this? Do it. Don't just, don't just think about it. Just go ahead and do it. You'll how, find that it will work.
1: How hard is it to do? How hard is it to set up the meat and potatoes side of it?
2: It's always hard. I mean, there's yeah. a level of work that
3: yeah. never goes away.
2: We're still we're still setting it up all the time. I think yeah. it's something that it's a process that's always going. We don't know what we didn't know, and you know, I mean, you keep finding out more things as you go forward. But what we did know was that these kids are important. Each of these kids, um, and uh, we want the very best for them, and th- we feel that. Dedicating what we have to help them is is pretty awesome to do. It's a, it's a gift for us to be able to do it for
1: them. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's fantastic. All right. Thanks, ladies. Everyone, uh, it, again, it is. I'm going to call out the website one more time. So go to libertieslightacademy.org. It's just one word, you know, Liberties Light Academy and uh check them out um i know that they aren't uh a local toula thing uh they're down in eagle mountain but
0: i you know our uh, listener norma just spelled it out really well oh. she said awesome Twilla county could use these ladies yeah and they most definitely could
1: yes yes uh, yes we could norma maybe um, we
0: need to teach kids how to podcast Yeah, so they
1: can they can spend their money to their heart's content (laughs) but anyways thanks for coming on um you know i hope to see you grow i hope to see um i hope to see not just the whole movement but you ladies in particular i hope to see you find success because you guys are taking on a an endeavor of passion and honesty and i like to see that stuff so thank you very much guys
2: Thank you,
3: Norma, and thank you, Jared,
0: and thank you, David. We appreciate you. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, please like, subscribe, and all those wonderful things you do in the digital community to let us know that we have validation to exist.
1: (laughs) All right. Thank you very much, you guys. Uh, Everyone have a good night, a good weekend. Be safe. Uh, Halloween's coming up, so... Be safe on Halloween. Um, I hope all your kids find the houses that give out the big candy.